Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 50. Yay! We are officially the Big Five-0. Nope. Who'd have thunk it? Not me. And if y'all don't follow us on social media, we announced that we just surpassed 100,000 fucking downloads. That is like episode 50 and 100 fucking thousand downloads. (laughs) Y'all are the best yes thank you everyone who has been spreading the word joining the groups doing all the things yes like seriously carrie and i were like okay goals within a year which it hasn't even been a year yet i mean we're creeping up on it but yeah we're like a month away yeah this and you're talking about like at the beginning we were talking about like what our goals for the podcast like yeah period and we were like ten thousand downloads you know and that's crazy a hundred thousand downloads I mean, I might have cried, but it's okay. Carrie couldn't because, you know, she couldn't breathe. I'm finally back sort of to the land of the living. (laughs) I have a co-host again. All right. Let's get on with... Oh, she... I don't know why you were going because you have a lot to say today. I do. Yeah, she already told me because I was like, okay, I have this, this, this. Like, just bullet points. I haven't told her really. Mm -hmm. And she was like, it's going to be a long episode. I was like, you know... (laughs) All right, hit us with whatever, what y'all of your bullet lists. Oh, well, I do have a bullet. Lists. (laughs) Okay. Two pod recommendations. One, the dropout. I think I'm a little late to this, but girl, it's about some fraud that involves, do you know what I'm talking about? I've heard of it. It involves Walgreens. (gasps) Walgreens? The pharmacy? Plural, yes. They have multiple greens. Mm -hmm. It's like a golf course in that way. (laughs) Yeah. Your friendly neighborhood pharmacy. Not Mm. a plug. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And it's really not their fault. But anyway, it's it's really interesting. It's a short, like, six-episode thing. Another one, if you want to binge, is Crime Junkie. I'm way late to this, Mm -hmm. but I really like it. I've listened to all the fucking episodes. Nice. And this is just a repeat from last episode. We are... Like, 80 people away from being able to give away $25 gift certificate to our merch store. And we'll be coming out with new merch really soon. How do they get that? Oh, you need to join. Because you didn't tell. I suck. (laughs) Um, This is why I need a co-host right here. Because I even have it, like, wrote down. That's what's sad. To be able to win the gift card, you have to join our private Facebook group. Mm -hmm. Literally just be like join and we approve there's an announcement and you just are like hey i'm here and then if you invite anyone to you get more drawings but we have to get to 500 people before march 17th st patrick's day yes so we're green that day and you might get lucky unless you want to get pinched i mean pinch me anyway that's what you're into (laughs) anyway Moving on, that's all I have. Okay, so I had a little bit of a flashback looking through the Facebook posts. So Bridget posted on the Facebook group, which ended up being a joke, but that this lady was posting that she was selling her uncle's set of dentures, like his false (laughs) teeth, because he owed her money. Ended up being a joke. But I had a flashback to one time when this was after Donna's mama died. (laughs) Donna and I were like, Packing up some of her house, just organizing, kind of Marie Kondoing before it was a thing. And I found this little, like, baggie that had something wrapped in paper towels <laughs> in it. And I was like, 
Donna, what I, did I if say? This that? is your baby teeth. Yeah, I was like, Donna, if these are your fucking baby teeth, <laughs> I'm gonna be. It's gonna be so gross. And we were like, <laughs> and um, I, I opened it, and it's her mom's motherfucking top dentures. And I was like, even worse, Donna. It's her. It's Patty Joe's dentures. <laughs> okay, two. <laughs> In my defense, I did not put them in that. That's how it came from the hospital. Mm-hmm. She never came home, and that's how it is. I don't even know how I got them back. Someone else brought them, but I was like, "Did they?" Uh huh. I mean, I bet it was like probably Tiffany or you were. No, you weren't. I wasn't. Here, so. I bet it was when they cremated her. Oh yeah, probably. I don't. I I can't remember. Well, anyway, how did? Why did I think that your baby teeth would be in a fucking biohazard back? <laughs> Anyway, but I mean, what, my mom did take a lot of shit from a lot, a of, lot places. of places. <laughs> I mean, she's like, I paid for it. Meanwhile, though, Cracker Barrel, she would put, if you got like biscuits and stuff, she'd be like, I'm going to put these two up in my purse. And now I do it and I forget about <laughs> it. I got some, I took some cookies from a Chinese buffet the other day. Because <laughs> they're so good and stale. I know. I like them because they're stale. Yeah. So put them in my purse. And forgot about them for like three weeks. And then it was a crumbly mess. Ew. Okay. Okay. It wasn't three weeks. Maybe it was. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. One more thing before we get rolling. Yes. New Patreoners. Yep. So thank you so much. Jenny R. from North Carolina. And Tiffany L. from Purvis, Mississippi. And Jen J. from Massachusetts. Yep. So thank y'all so freaking much for joining. We have new content coming every, you know, every month new stuff comes out. And starting this month, we're going to be adding even more new content. And then as we keep progressing to reach our second Patreon goal, we have even more stuff planned. So thank y'all so much for being part of the Creepinati and supporting us. All right. Since this is a milestone episode, Mm -hmm. I'm taking it back where episode one began Good old Mississippi. Oh. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about the McRaven house, which has been called the most haunted house in the Mississippi. In the Mississippi. <laughs> I was going to say in the South, but... That uh, ain't. Skirt! In Mississippi! <laughs> McRaven got its current name from the street it was located on, which was formerly McRaven Street, But now is Harrison Street. Okay. So that's just like, no one called McRaven ever owned this house. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. So the house we know as McRaven House started out not even being a fucking house. The first part of it was built by Andrew Glass, which you might know his name. I was like, my immediate thought was those in Glass Houses. Uh, I didn't even think about that. Mm Mm-hmm. You got that intelligent humor. Well, I, I go for the low brow one. I, actually, I was thinking that's so something you would say. I can't believe you didn't think <laughs> of it. Fuck, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, you might have heard of Andrew Glass. Is he related to George Glass? <laughs> Who's George Glass? <laughs> from <laughs> from Brady Bunch. That's the guy that Jan makes up. Oh. <laughs> Her boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Like Brady Bunch. Okay. I mean, I did. 
at the time, but I can't remember or anything. I was more into like Jetsons, you know me. Flintstones, Jetsons, and the Snorks or whatever. Snorkels yes, or whatever. no, the Snorks, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, Snorkels? Which, why did I like them? Because I hate everything underwater. It's probably from that. No, I think it was before your fear really took hold. So, no, he's not related to George Glass. Not at all. But anyway, this Andrew Glass, he built this... City on rock and roll. (laughs) You are on it tonight. (laughs) I didn't write any of these jokes down. (laughs) Well, he built it in 1797. And it was originally serving as a way station for pioneers on the way to Nashville because they would be traveling along the Natchez Trace. Mm -hmm. So when he built this, Andrew Glass, not George, it had a kitchen downstairs and one room above it. And the kitchen was known as a pioneer station. So kind of like a gas station, you Mm -hmm. know, before we had gas. Like a convenience store. Well, it was like a welcome center. Okay. You know what I mean? It had where you could probably... Use the bathroom. Yeah. And like, I don't know, like refreshments. The town he built this little pioneer station in was called Walnut Hills, which we now know as Vicksburg. Okay. And Vicksburg is like one, one, if not... The state's, like, most haunted city mm-hmm. because, you know, Civil War battles and shit. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this is why I said you might know Andrew Glass. Did not know the whole correlation of... The um, Glass family lineage? Yeah, did not know that. But he was known for robbing and murdering travelers who would be on the Natchez Trace. Damn. hmm What he did was, in this little pioneer station he built... Again, people could use downstairs the little kitchen area, but he had a room upstairs with no stairs. You had to have a ladder to get up there. What? And he did that so he could sleep up there, have all his little booty, you know, like his Mm -hmm. treasure where people couldn't get up there easily. So he would just climb up there and then shimmy the ladder up? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that's a lot of fucking work. Right? Well, I mean... He doesn't shy down from a fight. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he does because he's pulling the ladder up. Could you imagine lugging all that shit up there, too? No. Uh, no, thank you. No. No, thank you. I would have built the first elevator thing because mm-hmm. I would have been like, how do I rig this up? Because mm-hmm. I cannot. One, getting me up a ladder is going to be. No. Okay. Because I can go up it. <clears throat> it's the stepping back off onto it. Mm-mm. That gives me, I can't. I get one rung up and I'm like, I feel like I'm like so mm-hmm. high up. And it's literally like four inches, if that. Yeah. But again, like I could get up and like step off onto a roof or whatever. Oh, God, no. But stepping from the roof back onto the ladder. Mm-hmm. Like one time I had, I climbed up the roof with my dad to like clean pine straw off of it. And it took me like 10 minutes to like muster the courage to step back off. Like oh, he I was bet. like, Trying to talk me through it, telling me how to do it, hold the ladder. He went yeah. down, held the ladder, goes back up, you know, could not do it. According to local legend, Andrew, he came home one night after being shot. So he shimmied up the ladder and his wife was up there and he's like, finish me off, Betsy or what? What was her name? Jan? 
Um, <laughs> because he didn't want to be hanged for his crimes. So Andrew was the first person to die in the McRaven house, but not the last. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you. In 1836, the sheriff at the time, Stephen Howard, he bought the house with his wife, Mary Elizabeth. They closed in the balcony that was off of that top room, added a set of stairs because... Hello. Yeah. A dining room and two side balconies and an upstairs bedroom, like another one. Yeah. Damn. They spent some moolah. She, she. Wee, wee. That's what I want to say every time you say that. (laughs) Well, they were enjoying their house, and Mary Elizabeth got pregnant because she didn't have to go up those stairs like Mm -hmm. that. However, she died in the upstairs middle bedroom during childbirth or right after. Yeah. And and that was in late August of 1836, and she was just 15 years old. (gasps) Yeah. Shit. How? How did he have all that money to do that that house renault? And she only fifteen years old. Um, because he was probably forty. True. So he lived in the house for a couple of years with the kid because the kid survived. But then he was like, "Deuces, I got to go somewhere else," and he sold it to John H. Bob in eighteen forty nine, and he was a brick manufacturer and a sawmill owner. So. Definitely she-she. Mm-hmm. Well, a front entryway was added, a parlor, a flying wing staircase, another upstairs bedroom, and a dressing area. They were all added. Well, Bob was very unlucky because while he owned the house, the Civil War's Siege of Vicksburg that happened in 1863, well, at this point, they're like, goodbye, Bob, because... We're going to use the house as a Confederate field hospital and campsite. And, you know, back in the day, they could just be like, Mm -hmm. later, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're fucked. Since it was located so close to the railroad, it was like a main place for the battle Mm because all of their shit could be right there. Right. It was blasted with cannonballs and shit. The house was? Yeah. And that was by both Union and Confederate soldiers. Because, I mean. It's not like they had. Yeah. Precision war- warfare, yeah. Right. It said a close inspection of the roofline reveals required repairs after a shell that was meant by a nearby flour mill hit the home instead and bullet holes dot the hall and front parlor. Like still to this uh-huh. day? Fuck. So a little bit about the siege, if you don't know. It was like one of the most memorable events General Ulysses S. Grant was, like, conquering the fucking city. And they say more than 200 Union guns pounded the town on a daily basis. Shit. Yeah. Could Um, you imagine? Like, I know that we're so lucky in these developed countries that we don't know from war like that. But, like, I don't know. That's a civil war. Like, I cannot even imagine... This, I have to include because I was like, what? But they said the food ran low and people were reduced to eating mules, horses, dogs, and even rats. No. Mm -hmm. And what's sad is that that was like sold in the butcher shops. No. Yes. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I wonder if they called them ratatouilles and it was like a delicacy. I want to know... 
They were in the South. Mm-hmm. I mean, deer, squirrels, rabbit, <laughs> that shit is, runs amok. Right. I mean, maybe not back, back then. then. And maybe not with all the gunfire and stuff. Yeah. They, I mean, obviously the deer would run, but the... And the antelope, they play. Well, from eating all of that and everything, I mean, can you imagine? No, I cannot. By late June, nearly half the Confederate Army was sick. Then on July 4th, 1863, the Confederates of Vicksburg finally surrendered and stars and stripes were raised above the Vicksburg courthouse. Well, after the battle, the house was the command post for the Union Army. And it was used by Colonel Wilson, who was in charge of the Union troops, and Captain McPherson. And Captain McPherson was a former resident of Vicksburg. And since he was like a hometown person, he served as the liaison between the Union soldiers and Vicksburg. However, he was really disliked because everyone considered him a traitor. Mm -hmm. One night... McPherson failed to return from his usual rounds and was declared missing. They searched, but the body wasn't found. Fast forward several weeks later, Colonel Wilson, he was sleeping in his bedroom and woke up from a noise. Looked around, you know, I mean, you got to be on guard at that point. Looked around, no one was there. Fell back asleep in his rocking chair. Sounds like something I would do. Mm -hmm. Like, not get in my bed. And then, like, Mm -hmm. why? But then he woke up because he felt someone rocking him from behind. No. So he jumped the fuck up, spun around, and he saw a figure of a man. Then when he's, like, calming the fuck down, Mm -hmm. he realized it was his missing friend, Captain McPherson. So he's like, at last you're back. Then... Well, he's like, wait a fucking minute, because he saw that the captain's head was mutilated and his clothes were torn and wet and just gross. So then the captain actually spoke. It was very weak, very faint, because, I mean, mutilated. Hello. Mm -hmm. He stated that he had been beaten and thrown into the river by former Confederates He told the colonel, do not try to avenge my death because he didn't want the next generation to grow up hating them like they did right now. Mm -hmm. So he was like, cool, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye. (laughs) Like, okay, well, I wasn't going to avenge it anyway, but okay. Yeah, good idea. (laughs) I'll take it out of my planner. Right. (laughs) I mean, okay. They say that you can still see Captain McPherson's ghost wearing his Union Army uniform. That way you did mm-hmm. really good with that. Thank you. It's not an R or a W. But it was Union Army. Yeah, I don't know. It was hard. <laughs> wearing I mean, his I'll take Union Army. You know, whatever. Anyway. I'll take it. But he's seen roaming the grounds at McRaven House during the day and then the streets of Vicksburg at night. And they say he is looking for his murderers. Dun, dun, dun. Almost a year after the siege, John Bob, he gets the fucking house back. 
Well, yeah. He's like, this is my motherfucking house. Yes. All right. So, John Bob, he is like, back in my house. Let me get this fucking straightened up. Living his best life as a dugger. (laughs) (laughs) That's what his name sounds like. (laughs) Well, on May 18th, 1864, John Bob... He noticed a group of six drunken Union soldiers picking flowers from his garden. And he was like, this bitch, those motherfuckers on my grass, in my garden, don't walk on the grass. (laughs) Like, fuck you. So he was like, get the fuck off my property. And they're like, oh, probably peed on his fucking flowers, you know. Well, so remember, he's a bricklayer. So he picks up a fucking brick that he has in his yard and he chunks it at him and he knocks a sergeant to the ground. And he's like, fucking 10 points. No. <laughs> so the soldiers left and they were like cursing him. Mm-hmm. Not like I curse you. Like, like fuck you, motherfucker. Right. Exactly. Damn. Did you read my story? Mm-hmm. Okay. George Glass is really my boyfriend. <laughs> and he told me all of it. <laughs> So when they're cursing at him, they're like, we're going to come back and burn down your fucking house. (gasps) So John Bob, he reports the incident to the federal commander of Vicksburg, who was Jennifer. Jennifer. I was going to say, they are very progressive (laughs) down in Vicksburg. (laughs) Okay. General. (laughs) General Slocum. 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 And he was like, all right, all right. I'm going to take care of it. I'll link all these people who are responsible, these six people, I'll handle it. But was in like a get the fuck out of here kind of way. Mm -hmm. So he returns home and he gets to the gates and he's met by 25 Union troops and they take him to Stout's Bayou, which is like 100 yards from the house. So still on the property, Mm -hmm. basically. And they fatally shot him In the back and in the face. What? Why? Yes. So, Bob, John Bob's death was the first recorded act of violence perpetrated by Union troops after the siege. But why? Because he threw a fucking brick at them and they're... Well, they were on his motherfucking property. But they're going to be like, he took it too far. We were just picking flowers for our ladies. Okay. <laughs> I mean. I know, I know. But that's, you, that. He loves me. He loves me not. This could be like on an episode of. The neighbor thing. Yes. And that show gives me neighbor so much. Neighbor from hell or whatever. Um, Fear the neighbor. Yeah. That show gives me so much anxiety. Yeah. Because like you can't get away from it. It's just your house. <laughs> yes. Well, John's widow, Selena Bob, she sold the house and moved to her family plantation just outside of New Orleans, Louisiana. All right, so, so far, the house has had three people die inside or on the land. Mm -hmm. All right, zoom to 1882. It was eventually sold to William Murray. So, him and his wife, Ellen Flynn, raised four daughters, three sons, all in that house. Jesus. Well, William Murray died in the house in 1911. His wife died there in 1921. Their daughter, Ida, died in 1946. And the son died in 1950. All in that house. That's a lot of souls. Yeah. 
All right, so from this point on, there's two siblings that live in this house. It's their daughters, Annie and Ella Murray. Well, both Annie and Ella, they are unmarried. So, you know, they call them spinsters. Mm -hmm. And they lived alone in the house with no modern conveniences aside from a telephone. Well, because, I mean, it's the 50s. They're probably like TV and like washing. Okay, okay. Yeah. And they had no contact with the outside world except their doctor, Walter Johnston. In 1960, Ella Murray died at the age of 81, and so so her sister Annie sold the house, and she moved into a nursing home. Can you imagine? No, I Oh, my gosh. Just so sad. Also, like, who gets the money for that house? Oh. I mean, because... Oh, probably one of their siblings that just didn't live in the house. Oh, maybe. I mean, I do not want to go there and ask them, hey, which one... Who got your money? Yeah. At this point, the house was in, like, disarray. It was so, so bad. So bad that neighbors and residents nearby didn't even know it existed. What? It was so overgrown. The upper story was completely overgrown with the vines. Just oh, my gosh. greenery everywhere. And when they moved out, you know, like, you see this house, obviously, you're like, what the fuck? Where did that come from? Yeah. And so people looked inside and they said that they had resorted to chopping up furniture, like, which was now antique furniture for firewood and stuff. So that's why I'm saying, like, it, they might not have even had electricity. electricity. And, like, later mm-hmm. in life, I don't know. But can you imagine, like, no. Oh, gosh. How do they eat? I mean, I guess they're doctor i don't i don't know okay if we go there we're gonna have questions for them mm-hmm. i mean do they have like a garden or something maybe i mean maybe they eat their vines all right so still 1960 house was sold to the bradway family and this was so freaking cool to me heavy rains were like like it is right fucking now it's mm-hmm. just Rain after rain after rain. Turn my damn pool green. (laughs) Well, it, all the rain, unearthed shell casings still in the yard. What? And during their repairs, many balls, like many tiny balls, were found under the bathtub. 15 pounds of them were discovered under the floorboards. And a shell exploded in the original living room. But didn't hurt the plaster. What? Yes. And so, just to think, though, that these sisters lived there this whole fucking time. Mm-hmm. And, like, a shell exploded, and it could have went off just randomly. Yeah. You know? And yeah. Would have, would have been a freak fucking accident. Like, right. how did they die? You know what I mean? Damn. I mean, that's some fucking final destination. When it's not your time, it's not your time. Right. When it's your time, it's your time. Yes. Well, when they were doing some more cleanup stuff, they discovered stuff from the former residence. Fifteen walnut beds had been stacked in a hallway. Like, what? What? (laughs) Okay. One, that's scary. It reminds, like, it makes me think, like, what were you trying to keep out? And black floorboard paint, which, and I was like, okay, what's special about that? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like a... Pennsylvania German practice. So it just showed like the union having control of the house. Yeah. yeah. Like just up n- like northern people's 
influence Mm -hmm. on the house. And they also found toys whose paint was protected because it had so much fucking dust on it. Oh, no, ma'am. Mm-hmm. So, it's now on display. Did they leave the dust on it or did they wipe the fucking dust off? They they wiped it off. But now it's on display. That's disgusting. (laughs) Right? Well, I mean, it makes me... Now people can be like, your house is dusty. Uh, no, sir. I am preserving my paint. Okay. <laughs> all right. So with the help of the fucking dust, mm-hmm. they were able to put all this shit on display. Being like, this is what they used to play with. All you spoiled Tamagotchi kids. <laughs> and so it was open to the public for tours in 1961. The pe- so the pe- sorry, let me just to the people who bought it from the sister that mm-hmm. moved in the nursing home opened it up for display. Like yeah. they, okay. They cleaned they it renovated up. Renovated it. Yeah. Dusted everything. <laughs> yes. Got a Roomba. <laughs> yes. Okay. Not sponsored. Or invented at the time. <laughs> I mean, they were the Jetsons. True. Living in the Flintstone. <laughs> Dating George Glass. <laughs> Damn. You know what Carrie said to me the other, well, years ago? <laughs> I was like, well, couldn't have been the other day because I yeah. haven't said much in the past week. <laughs> you know, no voice and all. No, because she used to watch Nick at Night all the fucking time. And I just don't like a lot of old shows like that. Like, mm-hmm. I Dream of Jeannie. Mm-hmm. All of that. Well, now Nick at Night is like all of the shows that we grew up on. And by grew up, you mean... When we were at the latest, I mean, at, yeah, high school. Yeah. Like, like friends. Like, that's Nick at night? Mm-hmm. Like, what? Anyway. Like, I don't even watch it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Can you give me like Bob Newhart and Mary Tyler Moore again? <laughs> uh, anyway, you know, you're old when. Mm-hmm. Well, for some reason, I don't know why. They sold it in 1979 to Charles and Sandra Harvey for $75,000. Damn. They closed the house, took a year-long hiatus. Yep. So they can do restoration, and that cost them $100,000. Oh, shit. And, I mean, they went all out for the restoration, and really, like, she had a piece of carpet from, like, the original... And she found a manufacturer who could replicate Mm -mm. that and brought it in. You know, so Mm -hmm. it was just like so much money for the smallest detail. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, if you're doing a historic museum, but. You said it was like in like 79 too, huh? Yeah, so I guess carpet was. No, no, no. No, what I was going to say is like, holy shit. Like, how did people back then find those vendors or dealers or whatever they are? Like, they didn't have the Google. (laughs) I don't remember a time before. No, I do. I remember trying to figure out shit in the library, and I still don't understand the fucking Dewey Decimal System. The yellow book. Yellow pages? Yeah. (laughs) One time, I was looking for a job for, for like, a co-op class Mm -hmm. uh, when I was a senior, because I signed up for it without having a job. And never had a job the whole fucking time. <laughs> Just got to get out of class early. They can't take away your degree. Okay. Yeah. Well, because my parents technically, whatever. It was a lie. <laughs> but I was like desperate because, well, 
we had planned on me working at a like a CD like music shop that my friend that my brother's friend owned. Well, I didn't turn eighteen in time to work there, and you had to be eighteen. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? But I mean, I get it. It's his fucking, you know, like he mm-hmm. can break the law for like me. My mom just breaks it for my education. But <laughs> anyway, but I was like, all right, yellow pages. Let's look. Are you hiring? <laughs> I didn't get uh, no jobs. No jobs. I mean, which was fine by me. I didn't even have a damn job. <laughs> I mean, I think it's stupid. If you have all your credits, you should not have to go when you're a senior and you only need like two credits, you should only have to take those two fucking classes. Mm-hmm. Like, why do I need anything else? I'm fucking graduating. I need those two classes. You should make me have to have more classes if I have to be here the whole fucking day. Mm-hmm. Off my soapbox because, you know, like I graduated and all and I'll I don't be. have kids and I don't care. <laughs> but just saying. Anyway, off the soapbox. Blue and carpet. Yeah. This is something, too. Mr. Harvey, he discovered many of the rafters had been damaged from the union's shellings and, like, all of that. And it's, like, it's still there. That's crazy. It's mind-boggling. When they opened their doors again, they're up in Vicksburg Sunday Post. Oh. They were featured. But they just wanted to restore and then... Move on. Yeah, like sell it. Yeah, they were like OG flippers. They never lived in the house, but they had to stay overnight several times because they'd have to protect it from vandals. What? Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. This is why we can't have nice fucking things. What? That makes me mad. Look, don't steal my shit and don't fucking ruin my shit. Yes. They worked hard for their fucking money to be mm-hmm. able to restore that place. And it's like they're doing it for for the the public. Yeah. Gosh. All right. So they moved to Natchez, sell the McRaven house to Leland French. And they sold it for $275,000. So they didn't get a whole lot of money out of it. $100,000? Oh, yeah, they did. (laughs) uh, Yes, they did. Again, math. Um, (laughs) You you think they got like five grand out of it? (laughs) I mean, I was like, I mean, not that much. Oh, God. Wasn't even a hard number. So Leland, he did even more restoration work, was perfecting it, making it everything you would think it is, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. It was featured in July 1963 issue of National Geographic magazine, and it was called Time Capsule of the South. And Leland was the first person to live in the house, and he lived, like, in the basement. So it had a modern kitchen and, like, a room. Mm-hmm. But he's been the first owner since the Murrays. Mm-hmm. So now we start getting to the good stuff. Old Leland, he had several encounters in this house. Once, he was chased by the ghost (laughs) of Mr. Murray. Which one was he? He was the OG? No, he was... With the kids? Yeah. Okay. So, he's chased by the former Mr. Murray. 
not long after he's chased, he's running, and then he feels himself being pushed to the ground, and no one's around. Mm-mm. Not even, not even like the ghost that he saw. He fell face down, broke his glasses, and he even required stitches. Oh. Then another time, a drawer mysteriously slammed. And it got his hands, and it was so much force that it actually broke both of his thumbs. This was the last straw. You know, I mean, he fucking needs his thumbs. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right, let me get a priest up in here, bless his house, because I can't deal yeah. with this. The priest comes, blesses the house. Things are kind of quiet. So by May 2007, he put McRaven House up for sale for how much? $1.75 million. Shit. Mm-hmm. And in 2015, Stephen and Kendra Reed purchased the home. It was on the market for eight years? Yep. He was asking too fucking much. <laughs> they had to restore it because, you know, it was in fucking mm-hmm. disarray again. This poor house. God. Peaks and valleys. Nine lives. <laughs> So all that shit, he just had two encounters? Yep. They restored, reopened it. They reopened it for historical purposes. And I think while they were doing that, things went bump in the night. And Mm -hmm. so they were like, "Mm, we'll do it at night and get the ghost hunters up in here. And so you can do a ghost tour. Gotcha. They don't live in the house either because they're like, it's fucking haunted and we're not living there. And again, they just wanted to restore it. Right. And I mean, and make money from it. All right. History lesson is closed. And now we're getting really to the ghost. So, of course, they have doors slamming, lights flickering on and off, alarm clocks going off in the middle of the night. No, don't don't fuck up my sleep. Mm-mm. No. The most haunted room is that middle room upstairs where Mary Elizabeth passed away during childbirth. Mm-hmm. And... Where the OG guy's wife shot him. Well, I think this one, that was the room that they built on. Oh. Because remember, he only had one room mm-hmm. and then they built on. And so it was a middle room. Yeah. I mean, maybe they built on to the side. So you're right. I don't know. But it should be noted that the bed that she died on is still in this room. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess the Murray sisters didn't get to that to... Burn. It was still in their pile. I was going to say it was. <laughs> Witnesses have reported that the lights turn on and off during the night, and at like no one was living there. Remember, mm-hmm. and so at the time it was the Bradways who owned it, and they would get so many late night phone calls saying like, "Hey, someone's in the house. See the light on." Blah 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 blah. No one. Wow. Mm-hmm. One time they, doop, 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 doop. that was a real fast readout. And they were like, uh, I really see someone up in your fucking house because they saw it walking around inside after the lights had went on and off a few times. And then they mm-hmm. stayed on and then they see like a black figure. Yeah. And they're like, this is no joke. Got there. No one. Damn. In that same room, on that same bed, an impression of a body Mm. laying there 
is seen sometimes. And for a long time, Mary Elizabeth's wedding shawl was displayed in the home. And several visitors claim that they had like a presence pulling them to touch it. And, but if they touched it, it would be super fucking hot. What? Yeah. And they'd be like, what the fuck? Like, Mm -hmm. this should not be hot. And if it wasn't hot and you're like, must, must feel it, gotta blah, 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 and admire it. An unseen force would rip it from your hands. That's so weird. I wonder why, like, the, it draws them to it and then, like, punishes them for being drawn to it, basically. Yeah. So I found this blog called Southern Lanyap. Janie is the blogger. And she said that she and her husband visited the house and she had never heard of it. Didn't know it was supposed to be haunted. They went during the day. They went up to the upstairs bedroom, and she saw a woman sitting on the bed. She described her as being young, with long, dark hair, and wearing a white nightgown. She says she did a double take, and she was gone. But she wasn't see-through. She was a solid figure. Yeah, like a real person sitting there. Mm -hmm. So she said she whispered to her husband, like, I think I just saw Mary Elizabeth, because there's a portrait of her. He rolled his eyes and was like, you're imagining things. Mm-hmm. Of course he did. Mm-hmm. And then the tour guide told them, this is a room where a woman, I mean, where Mary Elizabeth, blah, 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 blah. You know, yeah. the whole thing. And she said her husband was like, okay, I believe you. Yeah. And that mm, was sorry. super fucking creepy. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Another common place besides her bedroom is the stairs, and they'll see her walking up or down. Again, long brown hair, white nightgown, and they think she's a real person until she either gets to the bottom stair or the very top, and she'll just vanish. That would scare the shit out of me. Oh, my gosh. Here's where you were talking about. The next hot spot is Mr. Glass's old room, old Andy Glass, One time a tour guide was in there and suddenly like a chair that was just, you know, by the by, it picked itself up and slammed on the ground. Mm -mm. No need to be extra. No, 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 no. Then they were on, they're on another tour and one of the people was like, does that piano still work? That's so something I would fucking ask. Mm -hmm. And like the guide pressed the key Nothing came out, you know, so one of me like, okay, I mean, you could have just said no, but yeah, okay, be extra about it. I was going to say, give us all the theatrics. (laughs) Well, they went upstairs and when they were going upstairs, they heard beautiful music coming from that piano. It's rigged. He put the, the, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Like he hit the one button that either one, turned it on or two, is like, they cut the cord so it didn't work. Yeah. Fake. Damn, you snoped that. You snoped <laughs> it. <laughs> well, guess who else has been seen there? Oh, Mr. John Bob. Mm-mm. He usually appears in the room just off of the main foyer. And he kind of just watches from a distance. But he has a portrait. And so people will 
put two and two together. Yeah. Others have seen him strolling along the porches and they can hear his voice and smell his cigars. Now, this is one you're going to be like, oh, my God. But someone said that they saw kind of a misty figure walking along the edge of the pond where John Bob was killed. Mm -hmm. And they said he was waiting for his killers to come back so he could get his revenge. Now, he's the one that said they don't get revenge. No, he's not. That was Captain McPherson. Same guy. John Bob is the one who was like, I'm going to chunk this brick at you. Yeah. Don't get... He's fucking beast. Also, William Murray, the dad of all of those kids, he actually kind of greets the people as they go up the stairs. Allegedly, his wife and his two daughters, you know, the spinsters, Mm -hmm. they were on the grounds early in the morning. One visitor reported seeing Ella standing by the stove in the kitchen. Just randomly. I mean... She was probably looking for a fucking walnut bed so she can burn some shit. She's probably fucking hungry being like, God damn, I just give me something on this stove. <laughs> of course, since it played such a major role in the Civil War, lots of soldiers are seen. And Captain McPherson is seen still in his uniform and sometimes still with his head all bloody and stuff. Mm. Also... There are 11 unknown soldiers' bodies buried on that property. Damn. And they found arm bones and leg bones buried, too, just randomly when they were, you know, like, doing landscape. There's no telling how many souls are on that property. Right. Well, and then they said even, like, trenches at the edge of their property Like, where the soldiers were. That's just crazy, all Mm -hmm. that history. I know. Like, people were in there who lost their lives, who just, oh, that's so crazy. I know. The current owners, they have a general manager. His name is Evan Winchell, I think. He said that when when they were restoring it, you know, from the Mm. last dilapidation. That word. (laughs) Yes, dilapidation. I don't know. That's not even a word. Whatever. When it was bad. The construction workers would feel their arms and legs being touched and their feet sometimes pulled when they were on the ladders. Mm-mm. Like, no. That's fucking dangerous. They say that doors close and lock without anyone touching them. Don't lock me in a fucking room. Mm-mm. Also, toys have a tendency to rearrange themselves, which we always have as i say that's like basic haunting shit yes well they had some dominoes that you know was to that era well it was all like lined up like Mm -hmm. this is how we play dominoes you know Mm -hmm. the next day it was strewn all about but like in a way that it wasn't just like right the wind blew it or somebody tripped on it leaving yeah well it was a table they could have knocked it with their knee You fucking knobby knee motherfucker. Okay. I mean, I'm clumsy as fuck. It can happen. (laughs) True. (laughs) True. Literally, you would trip on a rug that had no, like, anything Mm -hmm. and then catch yourself on the table. Exactly. True. All right. So, last but not least, you know the Dybbuk douche had to make an appearance. This motherfucker always showing up. (laughs) 
He talked to their tour guides, and this lady, Lisa, claimed that something pushed her, and Kari, I think is her name, she said that something touched her on her inner thigh, Ooh. and later on, she felt like it followed her home that night, Mm-mm. and she was attacked in a nightmare, so I feel like almost sleep paralysis mm-hmm. going on there, and they said that they think that was Andrew Glass because he was known to be a womanizer, like, oh, maybe, and yeah. just, you know, he had no morals, no boundaries, all of that. Another tour guide said that pretty much something happens every day. It could be just feeling uneasy in certain rooms or having someone to whisper in their ears. Mm-mm. So investigation starts. And of course, Zach is like, will y'all face your fears? You know, when they're like, I hate being alone. And Zach's like, will you do it? And they're like, okay. You oh know, God. like, oh my God. Well, he brings out that little device where you can see the stick figures and mm-hmm. stuff that I love because it mm-hmm. always looks like they're fucking dancing. Well, there's a dancing. stick. Yep. <laughs> there's a stick figure. And Kari's like, my left side is cold. So Zach is like, whoosh, I feel it. I feel it. It went through me. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And straight up the stairs. And so he said that it left him feeling agitated with everyone. You know. Like, how he gets where he's just... Meanwhile, he's just a fucking asshole. Just right? own it. Right? Oh, my gosh. I mean, he probably had to poop or something. It was just like... Like, just be honest. You're an asshole. <laughs> like, everybody's fucking aggravating me because you're annoying, not yes. because of a ghost. <laughs> and I want to be like, after all of this, how is it that they always can go through you and, like, affect you so much why wouldn't you do something to ward that off if it, like, affects you so negatively mm-hmm. every fucking time? Because it doesn't actually happen. I know. Okay. Moving along. Yes. However, all their batteries are draining, you know, mm-hmm. all of that. They did have some... I mean, it was an interesting episode, and there were times where they would leave a room. They left John Bob's room and went to another place, came back, and... Shit was moved around. Mm-hmm. A lamp was on the floor. A table was in the long place. <laughs> it was in the long place and not that fucking short place. Not this time. the short one. Not the medium, not the short, <laughs> the long one. Yes. So it was in the wrong place. And some random rocks were on the floor. I mean, Andy Dufresne was there walking. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, like none of the movement was captured on camera. Of course not. I'm like, okay. Okay, well, there was one part where, you know how you normally, like, look for the shit that you're, like, you are, like, putting one and one together mm-hmm. when they don't go together. And right. you're just, like, piecing something together. Well, they get, they're asking with the little device. And they get the word French. So, they're, like, oh, my God. It's the ghost of Leland French. But he was still, he's still alive. No. Mm-hmm. So they're like, this is the evil fucking spirits tricking us. Oh, my God. And they don't want us to know exactly who's here. Yeah. That's fucking dumb. Yes. It it was a good thing. You know, I mean, like, as always, shit, doors closing, footsteps, you know, all the mm-hmm. fucking scary shit that's like, 
if I was there, yeah, like chill oh, bumps, exactly. like I wouldn't shave my legs because the chill bumps would make that hair grow. You don't shave your legs anyway. True that. But I do, yes. When you're telling the stories, too, it's like, well, you know, they had the bumps. They had the bl- everything you just said. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, regular old haunting shit. Yeah. But in reality, I would be scared fucking shitless if I yes. was there. Oh, my gosh. One, I'd be like, what was that? Uh, Donna, it's a floorboard that creaked under you mm-hmm. walking. Oh, okay. You know, but that is the McRaven house. Lots of history. Lots of history. They say, I mean, just think about all the soldiers who died. Mm-hmm. Then, like, who were actually buried on the thing, but then... God only knows who got shipped back to their family. Yes. But not only the battle, but being a makeshift hospital. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, yeah. I didn't all the that. pain of being amputated and all that shit that's just... With no fucking anesthesia. Mm-hmm. Like, cannot... Even fucking imagine it. So it's not just like to the souls, it's the energy. Yeah. From the, like you said, the pain and suffering. Mm hmm. And, I'm, oh shit, I forgot to mention this. Since it's on the Natchez Trace and everything, it's in the path of the Trail of Tears happened where, you know, all the Native Americans were forced out of their oh my God. homeland and forced to move. It's along that. So, God knows. Well, and honestly, too, Vicksburg was such a big, like, hub in the Mm -hmm. South. And so there's no telling what came through there as far as the Underground Railroad and stuff, too, for the, you know, slaves escaping and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, Well, and just like that Andrew Glass, the Natchez Trace, like, it being a hub, everyone coming through there, you know there was a lot of crooks who's waiting in the fucking bushes. Mm Mm-hmm. And still in people's money and still in their souls. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of history and just to know, like, it has to be, like, magnetic to go there. I mm. want to go just to feel it. I just think it would be interesting to go there now knowing what we know. Yeah. To see, again, just feeling what it feels like. Well, thanks for the history lesson. You are very welcome. Well, like most ghost stories with historic homes, mm-hmm. it's more about the shit that happened yeah. than what still lingers. Yeah. So, what's lingering with you? Oh, God. Let's just hope that my voice lasts this whole story. Okay. I totally should have gone first today. But in honor of the 50th episode. Okay. And my fuck up, I'm doing Jack the Ripper. <gasps> Oh, fuck. Let her rip. (laughs) (laughs) It was funny, damn it. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to be honest. Oh, fuck. I didn't know shit about Jack the Ripper. Like, I mean, like, I knew serial killer, unknown, like, whatever. But I didn't know much about it. So I was like, okay, how can I do Jack the Ripper if it's going to be a little bit different than, like, everything? Well, you can't. (laughs) (laughs) So what I thought we'd do, we talk a little bit about, well, Avi, the victims, and talk a bit about some of the suspects. Mm-hmm. And then I think to me, the the most fascinating thing about this case that I've kind of delved into. Conspiracy theories? No, was the, the kind of, but not really, 
was the culture of the time and specifically of London with the Victorian era that they were in and just yeah just like how things are becoming more I don't know we'll go into it but just like the like basically the social and economic implications that I think led to this okay also did you ever watch I didn't finish it honestly I can't think of the name imagine that but it came on I want to say USA or TNT and it was like London back in those times and it fascinated me that they had an illustrator come and have to draw Mm -hmm. the crime scene yeah Oh, my gosh. I know. Well, and this, too, it happened, like, right as Sherlock Holmes and all that was kind of becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. So, I think that, like, there was a wave of people being more interested in, like, crime and that, like, Mm salaciousness. Jack the Ripper is known by many names. Mm -hmm. One is the Whitechapel Murderer. The leather apron and Ooh. S- some other shit. Leather apron? Not the good kind of leather. Oh, fuck. Okay. So, I just kind of want you to picture picture it. Where I, I love doing stories in England, apparently. Because I was about to say we're going to go across the pond again. <laughs> and I was like, shit, I think I said that before. But we're also going to time travel back to 1888. Oh, so he's nine. He didn't tra- time travel <laughs> For that one case. (laughs) We are. Oh, God. At the time, Whitechapel was a district of London that was very impoverished. It's interesting, though, because because of all the Jack the Ripper slash Whitechapel murderer business, Whitechapel got this reputation of being way more... Seedy? Yeah, impoverished and, yeah, yeah, than... It actually was. Like, one podcast I was listening to about it was saying how, like, in fact, places like Notting Hill and, you know, all those other fancy places, mm-hmm. they, I mean, they had areas that were much worse. But because of this, it just kind of got this. Stigma? Yeah. I like this Mad Gabs we're playing. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's 1888. So, there's not, like, public transit and all this stuff. So, people tended to live where they worked, right? Well, in the the east end of London, which is where Whitechapel was, it tended to be more slaughterhouses, shit like that. Like where they would... Yeah. What's that staining leather thing called? Anyway. Hide? Yeah, but they... So it was just like a bunch of like kind of stinky jobs, you know? Yeah. Like, of course, all I think can think of right now is a slaughterhouse. But so it was... Yeah, so like slaughterhouses, the word I couldn't think of earlier, tanning, like... Whatever. Which, again, tends to be more, like, smelly kind of stuff. And so, it was just... There wasn't a lot of housing. The other thing, too, was the populations of immigrants was growing because you had an influx of people who are Irish because it was around the potato famine. Mm. And then you also had a bunch of people who were Jewish coming in, fleeing from Russia and just other kind of Eastern... European type areas that were that were flooding in too for as refugees. Mm-hmm. So you had this huge influx of people and nowhere to put them because you're kind of getting this like 
urbanization movement where these jobs are coming because of the different, like, again, the two things I can think of, slaughterhouse and tanning. <laughs> but so the people are going to where their jobs are because, again, it's 1888 and you live where your jobs are. And so you just have this huge influx. And it's... Can you say influx one more time? Influx. It's a huge influx of people, which led to overcrowding, significant poverty, mm-hmm. and just like the the housing conditions and stuff were so shitty. Mm. So people were there was there was nowhere to put people. The housing and stuff was so awful that they would have like basically you had three options on the street in a workhouse, which is exactly what it sounds like. You know, I'm pic- you know what I picture whenever I think of that? Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think it was that extreme. In fact, I know it wasn't, but <laughs> it's just what I picture. Yeah. So, streets, workhouses, or like these shelters. So, the shelters were basically like cuz you also have to remember how fucking cold yeah. London gets in the I mean, you know, in the winter. So in these shelters, which I'm not sure that's the word they use, but anyway, it was like these rows of coffin-like beds. Oh, my gosh. So you would pay to be able to sleep in that bed for like an hour or two hours or however long. And so people would like save up their money to be able to sleep in that bed for however long. Mm -hmm. The other thing that if you couldn't afford the coffin bed, which was this was even worse, was... I mean, not worse than staying on the street, but they strung up like two ropes parallel to one another and you would pay to be able to lean on the rope and sleep standing up. So it'd be like a row of people. So it would keep the rope taut, you know, and so you could like sleep standing up, but like supported on the rope. I did not even think that's where you're going with it. I thought like on top of the rope, like feet on one side. Head on the other. No. Standing the fuck up. Yeah, they're like parallel, like, vertically. Not vertically, but you know what I mean? One on top of the other. Yeah. Versus, like, side by side. Oh, my gosh. Anytime you have these, especially when you're thinking about the 1880s, when you have an impoverished area or people or, you know, whatever, who are going to be the most underserved and marginalized women and children. Mm Mm-hmm. So, well, and the elderly, but whatever. The age expectancy or life expectancy. (laughs) There weren't any fucking elderly. So the women were really the ones who were in using those coffins and the ropes and what have you. There was violence and theft and, you know, even like substance abuse. Again, mostly like alcohol dependency. But, I mean, rampant in the area because, I mean, how do you deal with these types of conditions? Yeah, and disease. Yes. Also, if you think about it, too, when you put women in a position where they can't get the jobs because the men are getting the jobs and it's think of the era and all that, what's the world's oldest profession? Right. So a lot of women became sex workers in order to make and, and not like, hey, they're full time sex workers. Like it was like, OK, I'm going to do this one job. Yeah. So that you can go lay in the coffin for an hour. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So it wasn't just... They weren't um, making a living. Right. So in 1888, it's... Okay, so London's London's Metropolitan Police estimated that there were 
in Whitechapel alone, so of the east end of London, you got Whitechapel, there were 1,200 women working as sex workers and 62 brothels. Holy fuck. Well, and that's what's so hard, too. There's so many women doing it that you don't have repeat customers, probably, mm-hmm. because you're a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. Literally. And I mean, and, and, you know, you're asking for 20 cents mm-hmm. and the girl down the street is going to ask for 10 just to go get an hour to lay down. You know yeah. what I mean? Gosh. So supply and demand. Basically, we don't know shit about Jack the Ripper. <laughs> we don't know how many victims there were. We don't know if it was one person or multiple people or. You don't know Jack. Exactly. Ripper. Is that where we get you don't know Jack? No. Okay, one thing I was reading, too, said that the term was coined Ripperology, and it is basically studying the cases to, like, figure out who Jack Ripper, Jack the Ripper is. Wow. And there are over a hundred different hypotheses about, like, who Jack the Ripper was and just all the shit. Yeah. So, obviously, we ain't gonna cover all this shit. Yeah. I was looking at different, you know, different podcasts. And last podcast on the left had a four-part series on Jack the River. I know. So, I mean, come the fuck on. There's no way. There are a few things that we do know. We do know that there are five murders that are basically the same. So, the the five mainest, mostest murders that that are like (laughs) his, they call them the canonical five, which was a word I'd never heard. Did you ever heard it? Yeah. Okay. Well, basically, (laughs) there are two that happen, though, that they are pretty sure was him. But there's, again, not a whole whole lot to because it's it's not quite the same as the canonical five. Okay. The first murder was in Whitechapel that they think maybe Jack the Ripper. We'll just call him Jack from now on. Okay. Or J.R. J.R. The first one was Emma Elizabeth Smith. And on April 3rd of 1888, she was robbed and sexually assaulted. Mm, Gosh. She was sexually assaulted with a blunt object. Oh, fuck. So she wasn't killed at the attack. She, She was, okay, sexually assaulted with a blunt object. And basically, it was inserted so far, it ruptured her peritoneum, which is like the lining on your... Oh my around God. her abdominal organs. Holy fuck. So it gave her peritonitis, which is what she died for died from like the next day at the hospital. Whoa. So but she said that she was attacked by two or three men, one of which was a teenager. So later they say, like later on, they mm-hmm. say it was related to Jack the River, but no, no, we don't really think so. Maybe, but probably not. So then there was another one that some think is the first Jack the Ripper killing. Her name was Martha Tabram, and she was killed on August 7th of 1888. But here's the thing. Okay, she had 39 stab wounds, but they were all, like, really small stab wounds. Like, I think they said it was from, like, a pen knife. But then she had this one... Big old stab wound that was at her sternum that was what killed her. 
so there's some theories about kind of which came first because she was found by this housing complex. Like there was a very small window. Like how did nobody see her? How did nobody hear her? Was she stabbed with a ba- like a bayonet type thing? Yeah. Because there were a lot of sailors and and military men mm-hmm. in the area. Because, again, it's a big port and, you know, all these things. So, there's a lot of, like, about her. And she was stabbed, which was is not really the M.O. of old J.R. And you also have to think about just the area and the safety in the area and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So, I think, I think it was probably easy to say, oh, it was all this one guy. Right. Yeah. Meanwhile, how many murderers? got away because they thought it was old JR. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the canonical five, they are Marianne Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly. Another thing I learned from a podcast about the whole Jack the Ripper thing is that the and all these people who live in England are probably like, no. But is that when you look at like a grid map of the city, there's a lot of alleyways that kind of lead to nothing or like dead end. Like there's just a lot of places where you can go and not be seen. Right. So it was in Whitechapel. So it was like the perfect setup for sex workers to take their clients off into this dead end alleyway and never be seen. You it's know? like the other sex workers who were killed by their neighbor. Remember the guy who would, Yes, 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 like, yes. Here. Which was also it. in England because of the industrialization mm-hmm. pushed them out but with the cameras and shit. Uh-huh. So, Marianne Nichols was found at about 3.40 in the morning. The shit that that was done to these bodies is pretty gruesome. But I, I'm going to say it because it's details that I would want to know. If you don't want to know, you can skip forward. Her throat was cut with, but by two different cuts. And the lower part of her abdomen was, like, cut and ripped open. And, like, it said that it was, like, a really, like, deep and jagged wound. Oh. This is my theory. I think that she was one of the first kills. Mm -hmm. And so, I I don't think ever, because that's a pretty aggressive kill, like. Yeah. That, you know, with the two throat cuts and then the abdominal like cut and ripping you know that's pretty aggressive so i don't think it was his first kill ever but i do think that it was the start to something bigger so the second of the canonical five was annie chapman her body was found at 6 a.m on september 8th and so i also think that the times in which the bodies are found is pretty interesting because it's like it's turned into morning but it's also like I mean, kind of exactly the time frame that you would think of that people would be out looking for a sex worker. Yeah. So just like Marianne Nichols, Annie Chapman's throat was cut with two different cuts and her abdomen was slashed. But at this time, it was like entirely (gasps) cut open. Her uterus was removed. Ew. Some and it's it's like you they had the the police had some witnesses like one witness said that they saw her at 5 30 and that she was with a man dark-haired guy but that like but described him with like a shabby genteel appearance so you know it's just like 
Yeah. Mm. Not a whole lot. Then Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Edos were both killed the morning of September 30th, 1888. Catherine, I'm sorry, Elizabeth Stride's body was found at 1 a.m. And here's the thing, though. Her throat was cut with one Mm -hmm. slip, and it, like, severed a main artery. But there wasn't, there was no, like, mutilation to her. Okay. And so they were like, okay, either. He knew her? No. Either it wasn't him, or he was caught and couldn't finish, Mm -hmm. which is why he moved on to Catherine Edos. Some people, though, said that they had seen Elizabeth Stride with somebody, like a man, but again, differing descriptions. Some stuff said it was dark hair. Some people said that he was fair skinned. Some people said he was dark, you know, dark skinned. All these different things. Are all of these women sex workers? I don't know. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Do you mean the victims? Mm -hmm. I thought, sorry, I don't know why I thought you meant the people who were like given the, (laughs) like, being like, I saw. Uh Yes. One of the podcasts I listened to did a really good job. Of course, I can't remember which one it was now. Did a really good job of, like, describing the victims. And they talked about how most of them were, again, sex workers out of necessity at moments in time. Yeah. Not like this is all they did. Yeah. Some of, I think one of them, and I don't want to say which one because I can't remember, was specifically she was a sex worker solely. Okay. So... So, back to Catherine. So, her body was found, like, 45 minutes after Elizabeth's was found. Oh, damn. And her throat was cut. Her abdomen was ripped open, as in Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Did you just put that together? Mm -mm. Oh, okay. (laughs) Like, again, long, deep, kind of jagged wound. Her left kidney and uterus had been removed. God. Both of her eyelids had been cut. <gasps> no. Part of her nose and right ear were cut off. Oh. And her bowels were thrown over her right shoulder. Ooh. All I can think about is scream. I don't know if it was like I had the director's cut. And at the beginning, Drew Barrymore's yes. boyfriend and his bowels come out. Uh-huh. Oh. His or, entrails. In, yeah. Whatever. Entrails, entrails, whatever it is. Anyway. <laughs> All of that, and it's like, oh. Yes. Okay, so alongside Catherine's body, police noticed like a trail of blood that led down to a doorway, and like it had her apron laying there, and above it was a chalked message that said, the Jews are not the men to be blamed for nothing. And so, <laughs> what? Yeah, so it was like literally what? <laughs> and so some people thought like, well, that was just like graffiti that was there because again, uh, just the area. Yeah. But some said that the head of the Metropolitan Police, Sir Charles Warren, ordered the chalk to be wiped off because he was scared that it would start like anti-semitic riots yeah and so he that he ordered it to be washed away well here's the thing either way you're fucking taking away a piece of evidence yeah you know after that on november 9th of 1888 mary jane kelly's body was found same thing 
mutilated, disemboweled, but she was found in her bed, like of her room. And so her, same thing, throat had been cut. It was cut all the way down to her spine. Holy fuck. Her abdomen was almost completely emptied of the organs. Oh my God. Like, I can't even imagine what, like, a hollow body looks like. I know. You know? I mean, besides the obvious, but... Yeah. I know. Well, also, her nose and breasts were cut off and, like, placed on the table. (gasps) Ew! Mm -hmm. Okay, one article said that her heart was missing. Another article said that her heart was laying on the table, too. Her entrails, is that how you say it? Yeah, I think so. Entrails were draped over a picture frame. (gasps) What? And it said, okay, the article that said that the heart was on the table also said that her body had been skinned. So I don't know about that. Holy, oh God, I couldn't even say my H. (laughs) It's it's huge. (laughs) Okay, so the thing too is that the canonical five murders were all... Obviously at night, like I said, because it was all, like, in the AMs when they found the bodies. Yeah. And it was either at the, like, it was always on or close to a weekend. So, it was either right at the end of the month or right at the beginning of the month. Like, kind of in that, like, week and a half span. And then, like I was saying, too, with going, like, if you go through the murders, you can see the progression of the crimes, you know. Yeah. Where they're each getting a little more brazen, a little more gruesome, even. Yeah. Okay, there are some later murders in Whitechapel that may or may not be related to JR. Mm-hmm. And it's four additional murders. So you got the canonical five and then four more. So Rose Milet, Alice McKenzie, the Pension Street Torso, and Francis Coles. Gosh. So Rose was found strangled. December 20th of 1880, there was there was no signs of a struggle, and her throat wasn't cut or anything. Like, basically, the police thought that she accidentally hanged herself. Like, Whoa. yeah, like, they said, like, she either, like, accidentally hanged herself on her collar, or she committed suicide, because she was highly intoxicated. So, but probably not him. Yeah. And then Alice McKenzie, she was killed... July 17th, 1889. So, and then, but there was, you know, her carotid was cut. And so, they're like, okay, well, maybe, maybe not. But, like, no ripped abdomen and all that. Right. And, like, clearly, he was progressing and, you know, with his kill so i don't think that he like escalating so i don't think he's gonna de-escalate right you know what i mean and do some of these things like you know i mean people said like clearly whoever killed alice mckenzie copied his mo yeah to get away with it you know because again there, there's also some theories about left-handed versus right-handed in the directions in which mm. some of the cuts happen but it, i mean again i feel like some of that's kind of pseudoscience even now. Yeah. I mean, not all of it. And all you people who do forensics know way more than me. And all I do is watch this forensic files. <laughs> but in fucking 1888, I mean, come on, you know? Yeah. I just feel like the core four or five of them were killed within just like a four-month time span. 
and it escalated quickly. I, now, do I think that the very first one was the first one, period? No. Right. But I, I, I truly think that some whoever did it left the area. Yeah. And either died or went somewhere else or something. Like, I just feel like the level of, I mean, he disemboweled them. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, Ooh. that you would know that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, don't, you don't do that and then go back to, you know what? Let's strangle her. Right. And yeah. not just even disemboweling. Like, hanging them up over the picture frame and mm-hmm. shit. Like, taking it to a whole it's, nother it, it's level. It's like creating a, what's the word I'm saying? Like, a scene. Like, he's yeah. like, you know, what? why can't I think of fucking words? But he's setting a stage. Like, he's, yeah. you know, putting the victims how he wants them and putting their parts mm-hmm. where he wants them. So, or she. I mean, we don't actually know Jack True. the Ripper is a man because, I mean. True. There's no sexual assault. So, again, that, you know, then they found the, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but Pynchon, P-I-N-C-H-I-N, street torso. It it was an unidentified woman, September of 1989. So, I just just think that, too, and then we're going to, like, 1891. Like, I just think that that, those are, like, that's, like, three years later. Yeah. And that there were so many kills right there together that I just don't think that it's any of these. Mm -mm. Now... There is one, Annie Millwood. So she was admitted to a White Chapel workhouse infirmary. She had stab wounds on her legs and lower torso. And she ended up living, but well, like from the attack. But after she was discharged from the hospital, she apparently died like a month later of quote natural causes. So she probably had an infection. But so again, it, it stands to reason that. She could be the first victim. If you look at the escalation, yeah. he went from just stabbing to, you know. And mm-hmm. then there's another one, Ada Wilson. She, this was March 22nd, 1888. So we've gone from February to March. And if you think about the progression of the dates, she survived being stabbed twice in the neck. Mm, golly. So, you know, again, there's some people who potentially could show the progression of his crimes. Yeah. There was even a seven-year-old boy that was killed, similarly to one of the original victims that they think may be Jack the Ripper. But they, like, the kid worked, like, delivered milk or something, and, and his boss was arrested twice for the murder, but never, you know. If old JR did these, if it was one person... There's no fucking way he strayed from his victimology that much. Right. All in all, though, they interviewed more than 2,000 people and had upwards of 300 people that were investigated. And 80 people were detained at some point as part of the investigation. So there were two, essentially, police departments that handled this. The Metropolitan Police and the... City of London police, from what I can gather. And so there were some territorial issues, just like we see on, like, CSI and shit now. Kind of one of the the first profiling that we get is a, a police surgeon. His name was Thomas Bond. And they said, okay, give us your take on JR's surgical skills. And he said... I'm going to kind of paraphrase him a little bit, but there's a long quote. Basically, 
all five murders no doubt were committed by the same person or by the same hand. And it talks about the first four throats seem to be cut left to right. And then with the last case saying that like due to the extensive mutilation, there's no way to say which direction the slashes were, but it's leading them to believe that again, just based on how the slashes were, it was the same person. And then he said that he truly didn't think that, the person had any kind of scientific or anatomical knowledge, even like technical knowledge, like as a butcher or a horse mm-hmm. slaughterer. Okay, so there were a, there were letters written to the police, newspapers, and there were a lot of letters sent. But there are three letters that are kind of what they consider to be like the most prominent letters. There was Dear Boss, Saucy Jackie, and From Hell. <laughs> Isn't that a movie? About Jack the Ripper. Oh, I don't know. And it was probably uh, Johnny Depp playing him. Probably. I don't know. Okay. So the Dear Boss letter was sent. Well, it was, it didn't matter the dates, basically. It was the end of September. And it got to Scotland Yard on 29th of September. And at first they were like, okay, well, this is totally fake. But then three days after they got it, Catherine's body was found. They initially thought it was a hoax, but then they found Catherine's body three days after the letter was postmarked. Mm-hmm. The letter said that it would clip the lady's ears off. And oh. so it was like, well, her ears were like, yeah, whatever. And so they were like, ooh, is this, Shit. you know, the name Jack the Ripper that was first used in the letter, like by the signatory. You know, by the sign. Just call thing. him fucking BTK. I know. And so that's when, you know, whatever. And that would so be me as a fucking serial killer, though. This is the name I want. Call me by this name. Yeah. Now, some people think that that was fake and that it was actually, like, inserted into police records in the 20th century. Oh. So. <laughs> Saucy Jackie was sent October 1st, and the handwriting was similar to the Dear Boss letters, but it, and it mentions, quote, double event this time, and that was right when both Ooh. of those killings happened at the same time. But if you think of the, if you think the theory of him getting busted, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just like, yeah, I don't know what all these sound effects are. Every time you do those sound effects, you sound like, the robot old ringtone. Yes. From. Yes. <laughs> okay. The From Hell letter was October 16th, 88. <gasps> but the handwriting style was different. Blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> I really think all these letters are like, I, I just really think that all this is a lot of this is bullshit. Yeah. And it's like, I hate saying that because it's like, it's Jack the Ripper, you know, but well, like, it's like H.H. H. Holmes. Yes. I, I really think that there was some sort of killings that started it. I don't know who this guy was. I mean, again, if you look at the area in which it happened and, and the people that came and went and, yeah. you know, so, do I think that that was, you know, he came out the gate with some of these kills? Probably not. Probably been, you know, dabbling in it and as slowly escalating. Because yeah. you can see it in the five, four, let's say, but to five kills that are very similar. Yeah. You can see the escalation. So, I think that, I think that these letters are bullshit. 
the media played a big part in it, but they, they kind of realized that, oh, shit, we're sensationalizing this and it's getting worse and yeah. you know, yada, yada, yada. And so they backed off some, which was good. <laughs> which was good. Okay. <laughs> the media had published the, the Dear Boss letters and... The leather apron was adopted by the press. Wow. Wow. I don't know. I don't know, honestly. I feel like I should. I feel like that's probably somewhere in my 45 pages that I have strewn across this desk (laughs) right now. But I don't know. The name Jack, though, was already being used for another London attacker named Spring-Heeled Jack. Like, heel of your foot. Mm -hmm. He had Um, a little pep in his step. Who he would leap over walls and, like, strike his victims and then escape as quickly as he came, they say. What the tigger's going on here? I don't know. Okay, this is, I think, my biggest takeaway from this. Aside from all the victims and whether they were killed by Jack the Ripper or somebody else or a combination of people, that is freaking heartbreaking. And so even with that aside, it's still speaks to the larger issues of the society at the time and shit still now, you know, right with women who are a marginalized population. And, you know, a lot of the victims would, their stories started with, they were married and their husband left them or they were married and their husband died. And so they, then what they lost everything because it's 1888 and what they're going to do. And they're They're going to go to college. Yeah. I mean, what are they going to do? So I think that, again, it just speaks to a much larger issue. You know what? Like, fuck. I mean, I know it's not really the same now, but fuck that. You have to have us to procreate. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, if we can't work, we're not going to have sex. <laughs> you know what I yes. mean? Like, so you can get old and you can die like, and have no son to leave it to no air no whatever like you know what i mean yeah it's we have the fucking power we have the pussy we have the power (laughs) i saw i found this one theory that i liked and it doesn't what i like about this theory is that it acknowledges that the murders happen and that because i mean they did you know and it's not trying to say well, it had to be one person or it had to be it it didn't it it takes away from it sets that to the side and says, Okay, yes, this happened, but the ways the way that we handled this was meant to be as like a cautionary tale to women who were only doing what they had to do. Because yeah. it was women who were sex workers and so the media was taken the chance to not look at them as a victim, but Mm -hmm. to say, Hey, these women shouldn't have been, shouldn't have been out on the, you know, out late at night. Again, all the classic victim blaming that we see now, but magnified 7 million times because it's 18 fucking 88. Yeah. So basically the media used it to elicit fear in women to hold the morals in which they thought they should. I.e., don't be a sex worker. Right. Well, I.e., then fucking let me be an equal and have a fucking job, and then I wouldn't have to. And I.e., who gives a fuck if I want to be a sex worker? Exactly. Also. Because, again, sorry, hold that thought. Okay. But 
just because, again, it's the woman's fault. And, I, and I'm not trying to be, like, ultra-feminist and all that. But, I mean, it's fucking, it's a thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, again, it's her fault for being a sex worker. It's not... It's it's not an equal sharing of the responsibility of the the man who's paying for the companionship. Right. This is completely off the subject, but kind of still on it. How the fuck did they solve any crime back then? I don't fucking know. Like, I was just trying to think. And it's like, I mean, literally, how did they solve crime? Well, they even when they did, did they? Right. Because true. it was like... Eyewitness testimony and blah, 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 blah. But it's like, I mean, how many times could you be like, mm, she she did it. I watched her do it. And it's like, yeah, you just don't like her. No, you didn't. Exactly. You know? She picked some roses and you're fucking. Exactly. And instead of hitting her with a fucking brick, <laughs> you threw her ass in jail. Yeah. There's a, okay, so there's this historian. Her name is Judith R. Walkowitz. And she's pretty brilliant in some of her quotes. So, she wrote this huge long essay that uh do you remember like JSTOR, like the like the online journal article locating yeah. system? Okay. Totally found an, her article in that. Don't ask me how I ended up that down that road. But okay, this I love this quote. In her essay, she says that basically we seek to exercise the ghost from women's consciousness by historicizing Jack the Ripper by returning to the scene of the crimes and investigating how the story of Jack the Ripper was constructed out of the fissures and tensions of class, gender, and ethnic relations in 1888. Wow. And I was just like, God dang, that's good. Mike fucking drop. Like, like just how she, I just think that she's highlighting that again, class, gender, ethnic relations, relations that, you know, you had the sign that was in the chalk, you know, about people who were, who were Jewish. And you, it, when you look at the larger picture of the immigration of people who were Jewish, people from Ireland, you know, all these different places. And then you have these just populations of people that are trying to coexist that don't yeah. even necessarily like each other. And then you've got these murders. You know, it's just like, I don't know. Now, there are a lot of, there is some stuff. Because she, she even says, like, Persistent owes much to the mass media's exploitation of Ripper iconography. And she talks about, like, depictions of female mutilation in mainstream media, celebrations of Ripper as a, quote, hero of crime that intensifies the dangers of male violence and convince women that they are a helpless victim. Wow. Which I do agree, like, in mass with her, I guess, if that's what, you know, like, globally, Mm-hmm. But I don't think that all true crime kind of like quote obsession or, you know, because you can go on like walking trails or, you know, you can walk the paths and see where the murders took place or where their bodies were found and all that. And so I don't have a problem with that. And I feel like she kind of does. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that it's creating these icons and heroes that she's describing. Right. Like it does in some cases. I mean, Obviously, when you have people who are, you're going to have extremes no matter what. Yeah. Well, I was going to say there's underlying issues with the people who see them as heroes. And and, and, yeah, because I mean, you know, with the serial killer memorabilia and all mm -hmm. of that, like, yeah, it's a a gray area. It doesn't matter what we think. It's a gray area. But I don't think that 
if you take what she says to the extreme too, though, mm-hmm. is it's like that we would be even like as a podcast listening to true crime stuff and watching shows on ID or Forensic Files or whatever you watch, Netflix, all those things. I don't think that we are glorifying yeah I, I just don't think that we are no i think that you know in the grand scheme of things again you're gonna have extremes mm-hmm. and i feel like we're kind of middle of the road i feel like as long as we're supporting the victims and their family you know just i don't know yeah do you know what i'm trying to say yeah we use this kind of to educate ourselves not to like glorify what happened or sensationalize it we mm-hmm. Hey, don't don't go out to back alleys because there's no cameras there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and it's such a I think it's such a fine line too because it's like, okay, like even okay, just take your sentence. Like, I'm nosy as fuck. And so I want I want to know those details. Mm-hmm. Uh now not every fucking detail because it makes my stomach hurt. But I want to know the details of like the mutilation and stuff mm-hmm. that they receive. Whereas, you know, some People don't want to hear that, and that's totally okay. Right. So it's like, you know, at what, you know, we're not glorifying it, and then we're like, oh my God, you know, but it's like, I do kind of want to hear the details. But then on the flip side of it, you know, if you say, well, don't go in alleys because there's no camera, well, then you can't, you know, at what point does that become victim blaming too, though? Uh, oh yeah so it's like I, which it's, which again is a double it's, it's a fine yeah. line and a double edged sword and all of those other cliches of oh, for protect sure. yourself from becoming a victim. But we can't blame the victims. You know what I mean? Well, that's the thing. I'm not blaming you for, like, I'm not saying, oh, well, she went in in that dead end street. And so. Well, that's that's why she's died. Yeah. It's her fault. That's not it. It's for me, if I'm driving and it's like, oh, fuck, my car, like, my tire's blown. Let's not go down this side road. Mm -hmm. Let's stay on this main road. Because there's going to be no through traffic here. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I know that. I mean, that's kind of. Yeah, I know what whatever. you're saying. Yeah. But some people might think, oh, I'm on the main road. I need to get off to the side. So, so I don't get hit. Right. And it's like, no. So you don't get axe murdered. Stay yeah. on the main road. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I'd rather be hit than slowly tortured. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what I like. That's a big fear. And so I just want to know. Different and just some of these people aren't they? They triumph and they're survivors, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, how does she do it? Yes. You so know? when you get in those, I mean, I survived is a thing for yeah. Three, you know, and so I don't think it's it's not even like a morbid curiosity. I think it's just understanding human nature. Yeah, and how to protect yourself and how to just again understand because humans are seekers of knowledge, and I don't. I think that. Like, I don't think that the true crime, quote, fad is actually a fad. Like, no. I feel like it's just people who have found their people and are like, I mean, you know. Yeah, well. And are more vocal. And I mean, because if you think about even just looking at TV mm-hmm. and there's always been crime dramas. And mm-hmm. well, just newspapers. I was just about to say newspapers. I mean, hello, we're talking about 1888 and mm-hmm. Jack the River was sensationalized. And the newspapers were like, oh, shit, we got to quit one posting so much detail. Well, posting. <laughs> But, you know, so Scribing. much detail. And, yeah. And all the things, the right. words, because apparently I don't have a brain. <laughs> I still have the flu brain. Which is a thing. But so even back then, they they were like, oh, fuck, we got to we gotta rein this in a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, because what gets the readers? Yeah. 
So I don't think it's, I don't know, that was a random like (laughs) of a soapbox. (laughs) But I just thought, I just think it's so interesting though, when you really hear and look at what was happening in the time frame, Mm -hmm. really globally too, because again, all these different countries problems were impacting the immigration that Mm -hmm. was coming into the east end or you know into england into london into the east end yeah well what i love and hate at the same time is you think jack the ripper holy fuck but then it is like he probably did four or five Mm -hmm. and then the rest were you know killers too but it's like he's glorified Mm mm-hmm other people are, you know, skating under the radar. I mean, right. he is too. Because again, how the fuck do you solve a problem like Maria? <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I mean? So I hate that. Like, mm-hmm. like H.H. Holmes. I, like, like what a epic fucking, letdown. Yeah. Because yeah, I was like, holy shit. Wait, what? You know? But at the same time, I like that because you see, not that there's not serial killers now and all this stuff, but it is better. And I can take solace in that. Now, justice is not justice all the time. Mm -hmm. But at least we have cameras now. We have Mm -hmm. different things where it's not how do you solve a fucking crime Mm -hmm. to, okay, we have some forensics. We know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, Jack the Ripper probably wouldn't even, you know, have those four or five kills now. You know what I mean? Or we would at least have more of a profile on him Mm -hmm. and know more about the victim's like timeline before, Mm -hmm. you know, we'd have just more of a story. I think that it would be like, I think it, it, like if it happened now, it would be more of like a golden state killer type thing, Mm -hmm. you know, in that, yeah, they probably would get away with it for a little while. Cause it's when it's stranger on stranger, Mm -hmm. it's so difficult to solve. Oh yeah. But eventually, we would have figured it out. Yeah. Well, and I mean, his heyday was in a time that was still not as advanced mm-hmm. as now. Mm-hmm. Like right now, which is why we finally called him. We, you know. Yeah. Zodiac is mm-hmm. another one that I thought was like a mastermind. Mm-hmm. But I haven't even finished listening to that podcast because I was like, this is... A letdown. Not, and not because, I don't know, I just have, yeah. like, oh my God, how did he get away with it? And it's not, he got away with it. Like, he's so cunning and it's mm-hmm. all of this. It's, the police did not have the tools. Right. To catch right. him. So it's not super smart, super sleuthy shit that I thought. Right. You know, like. That's what I love about conspiracies and stuff. All the intricate stuff. And it's like, shit, how did you put that together? All of that. He, I mean, what? He, don't do the Zodiac. I can't stand him. (laughs) Well, there goes my next week's story. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. This did not turn into anything. um, Happy 50th. (laughs) We're changing everything. And I said it really odd because I don't know why. All right. You want to do what we learned? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The whole last 30 minutes of this podcast was what we learned. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to know what they learned. They're probably like, 
uh, what? <laughs> They're like, okay, so I got a history lesson. <laughs> yes. In the American Civil War. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a history lesson in the socioeconomic status. No, the um, what's oh. the? I can't want to call it the Elizabethan, but it's the one before that. The Victorian. Yeah, the Victorian era. You know. Yeah. And the fucking potato famine. And, <laughs> you know. You know that would be my least favorite time. You have all the damn potatoes. But do you know that we both did stories in the 18 fucking hundreds? Yeah, that's weird. Really fucking weird. Yeah, we did not plan this. Obviously, uh-uh. I did a Mississippi and she did. I'm obsessed with England. Apparently. I always have been, though. I always have wanted to go. I do, too. But then I get nervous that I'm not, like, not cool enough, but cultured enough I know. to, I, I don't know, like I need a tour guide that's not a tour guide. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. hey, we're going, Will can show us around and whatever. How about that, Will? Yeah, we just volunteered you, Will. <laughs> okay. What did we learn? We learned all about history. That needs to be number one. Yeah. We learned that shit that happened back in the day still is happening in a different way. Mm-hmm. That round. History does repeat itself. Fuck. Mind blown. Look, that's it. That's all we learned. That's got to be it. Yep. History fucking repeats itself. I mean, your your Snopes. Your Snopes again. True. History repeats itself. That's it, guys. Wrap it up. Podcast over forever. (laughs) We learned all the things right now. Yep. History repeats itself. Hey, can we repeat that history repeats itself? I think that in the history of repeating, history does repeat itself. (laughs) Even when you repeat it about the history repeating multiple times. Pete and repeat were sitting on a fence. Pete fell off. Who's left? Repeat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Bringing it back old school. You know why? Because history repeats itself. (laughs) Pete and repeat were... (laughs) Oh, shit. On that note, remember... Creep it real and and don't don't get get scared. scared.